As the rest of us come and we come to this time of worship, I love our kids. Sorry, ADHD, I get distracted. But you know what? Man, I love our children. I love the fact that a child can understand the message of the cross. And a child can place their faith in Jesus Christ. What a God. What a message. Empty. That, that word in and of itself implies so much, doesn't it? And when you hear the word empty, it typically doesn't bring those happy thoughts. For some, maybe you're running on empty. As you come here this morning, life is just so hectic and crazy. You're just, you sit down and you're, <sighs> you don't have much left. For others, maybe empty describes your gas tank. Or your bank account. Oh, resonation there. <laughs> Maybe empty describes tomorrow's outlook, what the future holds. And as you look ahead, it's bleak. Emptiness tends to leave a, a void. There is a feeling of nothingness. It lacks something or someone. And that's how some of you are coming this morning. Some of you are coming here this morning feeling very empty inside. You're like, wow, this is an exciting way to start a, an Easter message. But maybe it resonates with you. There is a void there, and, and you have strived so hard to fill that void. Maybe with some of life's pleasures, Maybe the void is there, that emptiness has been tried over and over to be filled with busyness, work, whatever it is, just so you don't even have to really acknowledge it. Because when you stop, it's right there. Maybe... Life's endeavors for you is to fill that void with things, people. Yet it seems the more and more you try to fill that void, the emptiness, it grows. It's only, you're only more aware of what's not there. Sometimes it almost aches physically. If that's you this morning, 
I, I hope you listen. I pray you listen to what God's word has to say. You came this morning, another Easter Sunday, dressed up, seeking for maybe a fresh message, pondering to yourself, I bet he's going to talk about Jesus risen from the dead again. Ah, oh, man. Same thing every Easter, but needing something fresh. Because the emptiness is there. We open the scriptures up. We look at them and, yep, empty again. Except this empty is a promise. And it's not like any empty promise that has left you wanting and, and desiring more. It's not like empty promises that we have day after day, week after week, throughout our life that leave us wanting. This empty promise that we look at as we look to the pages of Scripture and see, oh my goodness, it's empty! It brings hope. It brings joy. Oh my goodness, it brings hope fulfillment there is something empty in scripture that fills the void and that's what we come to on an Easter Sunday morning to look at we look at the empty to find our hope our joy our celebration I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Luke records the, the crucifixion, the resurrection in such a beautiful way. After all, he was looking for the details. He was looking for the facts. And he was looking. He was the first apologist to show us that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. And in him we find life. Chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, records that morning. I'll read the first 12 verses here. It says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went out to the tomb. Taking the spices they had prepared, they found that the stone had been rolled away there we go, from the entrance. That's good, because they had no clue how they were going to do this anyway. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Guess what, folks? It was empty. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them and clothed in dazzling robes. Oh, what a sight that must have been. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked. It's interesting, they don't declare something, they ask something. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Oh, that was your cue. Let's try that again. Here we go. Okay, he isn't here. He is risen 
from the dead. He is risen indeed. Ah, you're getting it. Good. Okay. All right. Isn't that an amazing thing to declare? I love it. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and would, be ro would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. That must have been amazing. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who had told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home wondering what had happened. Nothing like this had ever happened before. Have you ever come to Christ with expectations? Don't lie. All of us do. I do. I, I come to the scriptures with expectations. I'm having a hard day. I go to God's word. I expect him to make me happy. I'm trying to make a decision, and I go to God's Word. I'm, I'm looking for an answer. Oftentimes, He gives me an answer, but it's not what I expected, so I disregard it. But we often come and approach Jesus with expectations in our minds and our hearts, and we hold on to those expectations. And even when God's word states something so clearly, we disregard it because of the expectation that we come with. Centurion soldier at the cross looked. He looked up at the man that had died and he said, Surely this was the Son of God. It's interesting, we often come, we, we come on an Easter and we declare he is risen, he's risen indeed. We cheer it with everybody else in the audience. Oh, but we don't live it indeed. Because his expectation is not what we expect. We go through life living like there's no hope. We live, go through life living in fear, hopelessness, like he was, not he is. And our lives reflect that. To everyone around us, we declare with how we live, he is still dead. We don't live life like he is risen. He is risen indeed. I hope today it ceases to be lip service and it becomes an action. A passion within you because Jesus was dead. He was. 
In fact, the disciples, the women that followed him, the, the centurion, all of them saw Jesus die. There was reason for grief, especially the way he died and why he had to die. They saw that he was dead, and this brought about the denial of Peter. All of his disciples abandoned him. Others ran away. We read in some accounts that some even followed at a distance. Why would you follow at a distance? Yet that's what so many of us do on a regular day-to-day -day basis. We follow Jesus from a distance. Because the way he says we're to live, that's awkward. So if I follow Jesus from a distance, it's safer. I won't be associated. And we live that way. There were some that had courage, though. We read about them Friday night. I'd encourage you to turn back in Luke to chapter 23. 23 records some individuals that were very bold. Beginning in verse 52. Look at what it says. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of the rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where the body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by the law. Joseph of Arimathea. Bold enough to go before Pilate and ask for the body. We need men like him. Willing to put their necks out. Nicodemus went with him too. The man who once was so scared to approach Jesus that he came at night, now he boldly goes before the ruler. And the women. Wow. Faithfully, they had been following Jesus. Luke records from chapter 8 on listening to his teaching, following, taking care of different things. It's those women that stayed there at the cross and saw their Jesus, their Messiah, die. They followed so they knew where he was buried. And they prepared. They prepared. Have you ever prepared wrong? I've taken tests before. I did not prepare correctly. And I failed the test. I've gotten ready for things and didn't get ready as I should have. Preparations. And usually I prepare wrong because, well, I hate to admit it, I just didn't listen. 
I didn't listen to the things that were important. I heard, but I didn't listen. They heard, but they didn't listen. The disciples, his closest, dearest friends, do you know what they were doing? They were back at some house all together. They were probably sitting on the couch and just going, Oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to face tomorrow? It's hopeless. Or maybe they're like, quick, close the curtains. What if they come for us? What do we do now? The one we were following is dead. Meanwhile, the ladies are over here. They're preparing the, the incense and the oils and all of that. No doubt grieving and crying as well. Sunday morning, the ladies get up early and they're walking with all the spices. The man there staying back just sobbing. Peter's contemplating, maybe I should go back to fishing. Matthew's probably thinking, well, there's always taxes. That's certain in life at least. <laughs> Wondering about tomorrow. When today, something amazing was going to happen. Worrying about tomorrow when today had they remembered that emptiness they felt, the void, the, the grief oh, is going to be filled overflowing. You know what they should have been doing? Is they should have had a campfire outside of the tomb waiting. So that when the stone was rolled away, they could rejoice. There would have been a crowd to celebrate. That's what they should have been doing. Oh, what a sight that would have been, huh? Get there, the soldier's like, what are you doing here? Oh, we're just waiting. Waiting for what? Well, the guy in there, he's coming out. That would have been a cool message, right? making preparations. Luke goes to great extents to show us that there was no body. It was empty. And because of the emptiness, because of this, it means there is a bodily resurrection. He wasn't moved somewhere else. This is a bodily resurrection and it's wonderful news. And I read this, and honestly, I, I had to chuckle when I read the message of the angels. Have you ever come to Scripture and you just kind of laugh to yourself? I, I, I do often. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I, I find it funny because I, I see myself so often. But the angel asks a question, and it's, it's really a stern reminder have you had God's word really just kind of give you a good swift kick? That's what this was. 
in a gentle way. Verses 5 and 6, did you see that? He says, why? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? Well, that's a silly place to look. And then he goes on to ask, by the way, you were in class. Um, remember what he told you back in Galilee? Oh, oh, which day in Galilee? Remind me, remind me. They should have remembered. They should have known. He's the living one. You know what's really nice about living people? You're like, well, I can tell you some things that aren't nice. You can talk with living people. You have relationships with those who are living. You engage with those who are living. Jesus is living. Yet, we often come to God in prayer. I'm not going to point any fingers. As if Christ was still dead. We often pray in such a way that it lacks power, it lacks hope, it's, it's filled with fear. And we forget we go to one. We go to God because one is living. You and I need to remember. Some of you have grown up in church. Some of you have heard more sermons than I've preached. And I want to challenge us to remember. You realize that's one of the most repeated commands in Scripture? In some form or another is remember, don't forget. Set this in place so you will remember, remember. Because we are so forgetful. Jesus had shared with them. And he even says, guys, remember my words. Peter's sitting there going, should have remembered, should have remembered. Remember what Jesus taught? He talks about Jonah and giving the sign of Jonah. Jonah, as he was in the belly of the fish for three days, and he came out, so will the man, son of man be in the ground. Oh, that should have been a clue right there. A little cryptic, I understand. So what about this when Jesus was talking to the, the teachers of, of the law? He says, destroy this body, and in three days I'll rise it up. Well, he said the word temple, so maybe he's, maybe that's another word picture. We didn't get it. Okay, I'll give you that. But Jesus taught a lot of other times. Look at chapter 9. I like this one. This is the transfiguration. Jesus is having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. And began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. This, can you imagine? And they were speaking about his exodus, his leaving from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. 
Still a little too cryptic for you? What about this? Chapter 18, verse 31. Taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, Listen. By the way, if you're ever reading and Jesus says, Listen, it's a good idea to listen. We're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. Oh, had they studied? Had they looked at what the prophets had said? Did they remember what had been promised? He will be handed over to the Romans. And he will be mocked, treated shamefully, spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. Gone with cryptic. That is straightforward, church. And they missed it. He didn't hide the fact of what was going to happen. But how many times have we come to the, the Scriptures so crystal clear and missed it? Because of our own mindset, our own expectations. They didn't want that. Yet they were still marveled and amazed when they saw that empty tomb, huh? you imagine what happened to that emptiness when they saw that empty tomb something filled up inside that empty tomb fulfilled what the word of God had declared from the very beginning The empty is everything, church. The empty is everything. Without that empty tomb, there's nothing. Because the power of the resurrection, the power of what was empty, has the power to change lives. It has changed my life. It has changed the lives of these three that you saw testify before you today as they were baptized. The resurrection has the power to change your life and mine. Jesus emptying himself as he hung there on the cross, as he bore your sin and mine upon himself, as his blood was shed to atone for your sin and my sin. He emptied himself that you and I would be able to fill that void. We would have purpose. 
we would have hope. John Stott says this, Christianity in its very essence is a resurrection religion. The concept of the resurrection lies at its heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. Consider what Paul would write to the Corinthian church about this resurrection. I pass on to you, chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. I pass on to you what is most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. God is not hiding this fact. The Scriptures declare it. Paul goes on in verse 13 to say, For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. Essentially, none of us should be here this morning. I should give up declaring this book if the resurrection didn't occur. It's useless. He says, and we as apostles would be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. His resurrection. It's what frees us to live. I love the song we sang this morning at, at the cemetery. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. It is that power of the resurrection. And you have to understand, these men, these disciples, they saw Jesus. Over 500 others saw Jesus resurrected. And their lives were changed. These men died for the message of the gospel. The gospel is this. Jesus died for your sin on the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That is the gospel message. That is what offers hope and it still empowers his people today. Today. Today we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. Only He, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is able to fill that void. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith. There is no greater grace given or shown than what Christ did at Calvary for you and I. It's not of yourselves. 
Some of you have been working and striving to fill that emptiness. Stop. He did it. On the cross, he cried out, It is finished. He didn't say, It's finished, now do your part. It's finished. It's a gift. It's a gift. Have you received that gift? A gift of salvation. It's not a result of work, Scripture says, so that none of us can boast. He's offering it. And this morning, I want to offer it to you as well. The gift that Jesus Christ is giving. Because remember, because he lives, you and I can face tomorrow, not empty, but filled. He is risen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, what a joy to stand here this morning and not declare that I hope we have hope. I hope there's something that can be done for our sin. I hope there's some purpose to this life. No, God, we stand here today declaring your Son risen from the dead, alive, and because of that, we have purpose. God, we have hope. Because we too can live because he is risen from the dead. God, thank you that we can celebrate this, declare this. And God, that your word, when we come to it, it is so clear. May we anticipate tomorrow with joy and hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.